and share by listening, by encouraging, by just receiving what is being said. And you know, if we make room for that every week, that's church. We're supposed to be like that. When God is doing something, whether it's in nature, whether it's in your own life, or whatever, or, or just coming out. I thought what Anne read was great. We can all pick up the Bible and we can all read. Well, we can read out and we can bless people. Yes. So, as we look at the Bible, the scriptures that we're going to look at today, we're going to go from 1 Samuel chapter 2 and we should end up at chapter 4. So I'm going to have to be fairly moving quickly. Let me set the scene to remind you. Hannah had given birth. Hannah had returned her son back to God. And the way she did that was to take Samuel and leave him under the care of the priest. And all last week and the the week before, we were beginning to draw the contrast between the young boy, the child, and the corrupt priesthood. The priesthood, which should have been directing the affairs of the nation, the priesthood which should have been directing the the affairs of the nation back to God, was failing. That doesn't mean God was failing, it means man was failing. God still had a plan and a purpose for Israel, and you know what? He still does. The Bible is quite clear that one day the nation of Israel is coming back to God. That would be a great celebration. We're told, you know, as Christians, to pray for the nation of Israel. We, as Gentiles, grafted in, that's the picture in the New Testament, but one day, we will all be together. So, God begins to draw a line under the corrupt priesthood, and he does this by sending a man to announce to Eli the situation Cannot continue. He's had enough. That's a dangerous place when God has had enough. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. I always get a little tingle when people tell me this is what the Lord says, particularly if he hasn't told me. But Eli's wise enough and knows he's not been doing what he should have been doing, so he's going to receive this. And this is what he says, this is what the Lord says, Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? Eli full knows the history of his nation. It's only a few hundred years ago. Let me paint the picture. The nation of Israel had gone into Egypt just as a family, as Abraham's family and Jacob's family, that family line had gone in, Then they'd grown, the pharaohs had come and gone, until suddenly, or not suddenly, that's the wrong word, there's a pharaoh on the the throne, if you like, ruling the nation, and he looks at these people, and there are about two million Jews living in his country. And he says, you know what, if we get an attack, then actually these people may join the attacking forces, and actually that could be, uh, obviously, catastrophic for the nation so my answer is I will suppress the nation and he puts the Israelites into bondage and they spend their lives making bricks and you can look at Egypt now and there's huge buildings that were, that were created 
And some of those were built by the, by the Jews during that time period. Great construction projects. Do you know there was a time when everyone in this room was under bondage? That's the painted picture from the New Testament that actually we were like that. We can look at the nation of Israel and we can say that's what we were like. You might have been under bondage to something else other than Egypt, but actually you were serving something or someone. What sort of things might we be under bondage to? You could be. No, you could be. You, you, You could... Worship football. And if if you're worshipping football, and many in this country do, then actually your priorities, your time, your money, those sort of things, and it's it's got a hold over you. So yeah, I'll go go with that. Absolutely. Alcohol, a cruel master, can change your behaviour, can rob your life. Absolutely. Anything else? Just walk. Smoking? Well, it's not the crime of the century, but actually if you're spending all your time and thinking about it, you might, you might call that. I think we can go worse than that. Money. Money, you know, we need it, don't we, to survive. I'm, I used to be one of those people that actually had money, but I never had enough. Had lots. I, I could buy anything I wanted. If I wanted a sports car, well, what colour what, what do you want? You want a bigger house? Go and buy a bigger house. And I had the capacity to make a lot of money. But I never made enough. I always thought I would. And I kept striving. And, you know, that has a, that has a cost on your relationship with your family. You miss your children growing up. You miss your relationship with your wife. But that's all right. It always fools you that actually you'll have those times again. No, no, that's a, that's a real slave. You can slave your life away. It's a cruel master is money. And there's lots and lots and lots. But you know the one thing the Bible tells us is this. Our master was sin. There's not one person in this room that didn't serve sin. It might not come in different disguises, but everyone served sin. And ultimately, we liked it. You see, if sin was bad, as in the sense that every time you sinned, you got an electric shock, you'd stop sinning. But we actually quite like it. We quite like a drink, so we'll have several drinks. We quite like football, so we'll watch too much. These things are not necessarily bad in themselves, but they can become our master. Quite like money, whatever. So the picture is there. And... God is going to say to, to, to this um, Eli, you forgot. And th- do you know what? It amazes me the capacity that we have to forget. And I put myself there. I have been there. We forget what life used to be like before we actually had the privilege of coming and worshipping God. Do you know it is a privilege? I'm not bothered whether you're here as long as you're somewhere worshipping God. But we forget. We get blasé. We remember the good old days. They weren't good. They were blinking rubbish. They were robbing your life. Move it on. And Eli's forgot. I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest. What an honour. Hear this. He chose you to be his child. Chosen. 
Not because we deserved anything. They didn't deserve anything. They, just, they were as bad a people as everybody else. And God said, I'll have them. And he did the same with you and I. He said, I'll have you. I'll have you. I'll have you. And then he gives them a job. All the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to go to my altar, to burn incense and to wear an ephod in my presence. That's ministry. Do you know, you are all, and I include everyone, you are all called to ministry. There's not, this isn't ministry. Actually, when a, a sister gets overcome with emotion and the girls go around her and pray for her and take her out of the room, that's ministry. That's gold dust. When you can see a need and you can meet it, that's ministry. This is easy. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. There was a system in place for the Levites, for the priesthood, so they didn't have to work. God said, do you know what? This is so important that actually the other people the other parts of the nation are going to support you so that you can direct them to me. Matt is 100% right when he can stand here and say, stop learning Greek or Hebrew and go out and tell people Jesus loves them. That's his gift. If God had wanted you to learn Greek and Hebrew, he'd make you a bit, you know, it would just happen. You would still study, but Greek and Hebrew don't lead people to Jesus. Moving on. And then this, look. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offerings that I prescribe for my dwelling? The word scorn in the Hebrew is kick. God looked down at this nation that he had rescued from bondage, that he had put things in place for them to survive, for them to be a light. The, the nation of Israel was supposed to be a light for God, for the other nations to come and find him. And this priesthood had got used to it. The day you start getting used to coming to church, you've, a little warning bell needs to be going off in your ear. It's not tinnitus, it's me saying stop it. That was a little bit light, come on, work with me. Don't take what you have for granted. Please don't do that. Every time you do that, a little part of you dies inside. It just goes a bit dead. And then the next time, it goes again. And the next time, it goes again. And it's a dreadful condition. If you're in that condition where you just come and you just, you just drift through the service, you're so wrong. This is an honour and a privilege. You are before the living God. Do you know that? You are right now. He is right here with you. As much as he ever will be in your life. And we can miss that. And they did. And God's saying to Eli, you've forgotten all this. You really have lost it, Eli. Move it on, Graham, please. Therefore, okay, because of what I've just said. The Lord, the God of Israel, declares this. I promise that members of your family would minister before me forever. That's God making a promise. That's straight out of Deuteronomy. That this 
family line will always minister before me. But, and this will play a mess with some people's theology in the room, God can do what he likes. Having made a promise, God's going to break it. Ooh. Ooh. Do you fancy that? Well, perhaps the promise isn't what people believe it to be. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, those who honour me I will honour, but those who despise me will be disdained. God's promises are very frequently conditional. If you do this, then I will do that. But if you don't do what he's asking you to do, don't sit there or cry there thinking God's left you. Actually, you've left him. I'll give you an easy one. I know when my marriage failed, someone, very well-meaning, right, came up to me and said, the Lord will restore the years the locust has eaten. I don't want locust. I wanted my wife. But, because I do life to the best of my ability, I suppose, the right way, I hope the right way, actually I have discovered that that scripture has come true in my life. I've got a lovely wife again. And I, we met, and I said to Kay when we first met, we just need to make memories. And he has. He's restored the years that the locusts have stolen. What do you think about if I'd gone out partying every night and doing raves and doing whatever? God had said, jog on. Sorry, does that take a bit of a stretch for imagination? There's two or three of them here. <laughs> I used to have hair. I can... I can... Pardon? <laughs> Never mind. But the point being is, because I try and do it his way, I've made opportunity for God to work in that situation. And he does. Promises are often Conditional. Bear that in mind when you receive a promise from someone. You have a part to play. Okay, the time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no no one in it will reach old age. This is his judgment. And this is fulfilled as you go through the Old Testament. The line of Eli is cut out. The consequences of his actions affected other people. The consequences of our actions, we don't live in isolation. They still affect others around us. You can choose badly and that can have an effect on people generations down the line. And this is what it happened. It doesn't mean that those people that it's affecting don't have their abilities, their choices themselves. But hear what I'm saying. I'll use you as an example now. You bring the three girls up, right? If Mel and Kenny bring the three girls up badly, if they bring him up, bring the, the girls up to not care about church, to not care about worshipping the living God, those girls will at one point make their own decisions, but they're going to look at mum and dad and say, well, it wasn't important in their life. Why should it be important with mine? At least you're giving them the, the opportunity to make the right choice, which is why they're out now. All right, Eli, 
No one's going to reach old age, and you will see the distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. He hasn't given up on Israel, he's actually given up on Eli. When God gives up on you, that's a really bad place to be. Isn't that hard? Do you think that God ever gives up on you? He does, actually. Yes. Yeah, Matt's got it. He will. There are occasions when he will do it. He will give you exactly what people ask for. And most of this world have given up on God. Most of this nation, anyway, have given up on God. And so eventually, just like he did with Pharaoh... He gave Pharaoh opportunity, opportunity, opportunity to, to recognise that the living God was there, calling the nation out. When, when Pharaoh stopped and reached the point where he's, he said, there's no way, God said, right, I'll use that now. And you can't change your mind, Pharaoh. Actually, I'm going to harden your heart until actually I'll use that event for my glory. And he still does that today. There are people who deny him who rob him, and God will say, right, okay, eventually, and that's his decision, not mine, eventually, because I can see your heart and I know your choices, I will use that for my glory. That is a scary place to be. Move it on. Thank you. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will only spare to destroy your sight and sap your strength, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. That was the cost of what Eli had done. That is so, so scary. Moving on. And he's going to give him a sign. What happens to your two sons, Hopni and Phineas, will be a sign to you. They will both die on the same day. You don't want a man of God to come and declare that over your life. No matter what you do, Eli. Do you know what Eli could have done? I wonder whether God, what would God have done if Eli had thrown himself on the mercy of God? What if he had just put his hands up and just said, actually, do you know what? God is so right. I've messed up so bad, so big, but I'll throw myself on your mercy just the same. But there's no record of Eli doing that. He receives the word. Now watch what happens. Move on. I will rise up for myself, a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. God has not given up on the nation. The nation's purposes were still to show his light to a world. He's just moving on. He's finding someone who will do it. And that is ultimately fulfilled in who? Jesus. We're still about a thousand years, 1100 years ahead of Jesus. And there is a priestly line that's going to replace Eli. And do you know what? That priestly line messes up as well. Keeps messing up. But God doesn't give up. Until ultimately, Jesus himself comes to earth. Move it on. We get to the good bit. This is the difficult bit. This isn't making you smile. And then everyone left in your family line will come down, come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread and plead, appoint me to some priestly office so that I can have food to eat. As part of working in the ministry, they had access to the food. You'll remember that the two sons were stealing from God. They were robbing the sacrifice before it was, was given. 
Don't rob God of anything. You render to God what is his. He is a very generous God. I'll let you into a secret that I have discovered. You cannot outgive God. Try it. It's great fun. Be the most generous people ever. I'm not after your money, and you know that. But you give to God everything, and God will pour it back. Doesn't have to include the money. It includes that, obviously. But time, your gifts that you have, give them to Him, and He will pour it back over. You're never going to get to heaven and stand before God saying, God, you owe me two grand. I'll bet you that can't happen. You might get to heaven and God will and say, how's that then? I blessed your socks off. In different ways. Let's see. Now we're into chapter 3. The contrast. The old man. The one who had all the abilities, the opportunities, the training and everything, who had lost his way compared to a young boy who was growing up. The young boy who actually sees his mum once a year. Think about that. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in, do, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. What a dark time. We know from Judges that people were just doing what they thought was, was right in their own eyes. I love the fact that actually you can come to church, you can hear your brothers and sisters share about what God's doing in their life. It ain't rare anymore. We live in an age... We live in an information age. You can go on the internet, you can listen to sermons, you can get, go order multiple books, you can read your Bible. We've got the full scriptures. We live in an age when the word of the Lord is very, very available. And then there's a different type of word. There's a word that actually is just for you. A rhema word that he will speak into your lives personally. They blow you away if you listen to them. One night, it always begins just on a day. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Clue. Where was his usual place? Perhaps, Eli, having received what you received from the man of God, you'd have been better off on your knees instead of lying down. You'd have been better off actually communicating to heaven. But he hasn't. He's drifted along and he's lying down in his usual place. Let's see where Samuel is. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. That's a good place to be. You see the contrast? Eli who should have been showing the way, isn't where he should be. And Samuel is. The lamp of the Lord, the seven um, lampstand, and they burnt all night olive oil. And from twilight to sunrise, the lamp was kept burning. And it's symbolic of his presence. And Samuel is right in his presence. Even better than that, where the ark of God was. And the ark of God was symbolic of where God dwelt. What a picture. What a picture. 
And then the Lord called Samuel. A living word, a rhema word, he calls him. You know, God speaks to his children differently. We have the Bible. I suppose most of what I get when I hear from God is from the word of God. Most of what Kay gets seems to be from nature. She sees things. We're driving along, which is scary if she's driving, and, she, and like her, her head will go like this, and she'll say to me, did you see the cross? I saw the car. Right? But she says there was a cross in the tree back there. Well, stop looking. She's like that all the time. She sees things that I just don't see. But that's because God's treating us as an individual. It's rare, and, and I have never heard the audible voice of God. Samuel, Samuel did. I've met one person who has heard the audible voice of God. I want to tell you a story. My daughter heard the, the audible voice of God. We went on a family holiday to Spain. We went for 17 days. And um, it's before the internet, you know, and I don't know how we'd arrived there, but we actually went to a local re- resort. And there was a little block of flats, and there were a few families in these flats. We had a great time. We were there maybe nearly two weeks. And um, because it was the place where the locals went swimming, and for the, to the beaches and everything, suddenly, as if almost overnight, the place got really packed. And so what we did is, I'd, I'd been teaching my daughter to snorkel. And she was about eight years old, and... We love to go and watch the fish and everything. And so we, we wanted to find somewhere we, where it was quiet. And we walked along the beach and we came to a beach where nobody was swimming. And we thought, fantastic. I didn't know at this time that there was a sign there in Spanish saying, don't swim. Because it was dangerous. And of course, we go in the water. It turned out there was a riptide flowing. And we're swimming along and Jane got, into, got caught by the riptide, and I'm swimming along, and I see her pass me going backwards. She's swimming forwards, but she's now travelling out to sea. You can imagine the shot. Wendy was um, playing with the, the, the lad, Mike, in a rock pool. She'd looked up, because the oldest daughter was screaming, and Wendy entered the water, but she entered the water where the riptide was. I'd, by this time, I'd caught up to Jane, and I was bringing her back into the, into the, onto the shore. Now imagine the situation when you see your wife travelling the other way. Now I've got the two most important people that I love dearly, both in danger of drowning. And I now know what the problem is, because I could feel the current myself. I used to be a strong swimmer. What do you do when your wife is drowning... And you're holding your daughter. I said to my daughter, "Just she had a snorkel and a mask. I said, don't panic, I'll come for you. I went and got Wendy. I actually said to her, stay there, just, just tread water. Went back to the daughter, got the daughter onto the land. And now my wife is a long way out in the water. 
and I know how tired I am. I had to decide whether I dare go back in the water again. I went back into the water, obviously got her, got her sorted out in the end. The holiday was nearly a disaster. I nearly lost two very, very uh, special people. That night, that night, my daughter has a nightmare. She was just in the other room. Wendy and I got her into bed and we calmed her down and we talked to her and we cuddled her and we loved her and we just reassured her. And you think that would be the end of it. And we said, look, you can just stay here all night. Don't worry about it. She said, no, I'm going to go back into bed. So we gave her about ten minutes and she said, just go and check on her, see if she's all right. And watch what happens. The moonlight is coming above the curtains and it strikes her face. I go and look at my daughter and the tears are flowing down her face. Not one or two. I mean, they are running continuously down her face. And I said to her, just come back to bed, love. And she said, no, I can hear God. And God was talking to an eight-year-old child. And she said, just go back to bed, Daddy. Just go away. And I said to her in the morning, what did he say? And he just said he loved me. She couldn't describe, she could not articulate what it sounds like. It wasn't something inside. Because I said to her, was that inside? You know, no, no. I heard God speak. That's our God. Our God who ministers to a child. It's right off the page of the Bible. Kay knows and, and as she grew up, and she's a mum herself now, she was had a very special walk with God. She she could see things that I don't know. Her revelations for her got so powerful in the end that we had to pray for them to stop. I pray now they'll start again. She's walking with God. She, she's with my, my other daughter now. But you know what? God still speaks today. And when necessary, you know, you might just blow your socks off. You might actually hear him. If you need to hear him. And there you are. Does Samuel know who's speaking? Let's find out. Move it on. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Poor old Samuel. God speaks to him and he never recognised it. I wonder if that's happened to us. I wonder if God actually has spoken to us and we just didn't hear him or recognise him. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. I wonder if he was grumpy. I'm asleep. Go away. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Aren't we great that, grateful that God doesn't just call us once? I wonder how many times he called me to be his child. Again the Lord called Samuel. Isn't it great that God knows your name? He could have called Stephanie, Chris, Clive, whatever. Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. That's not a bad response if God's calling you. Here I am, you called me. 
My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. You don't have that excuse. The word of the Lord is revealed to you. Will you recognise it? A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. And then Eli realised that the Lord was calling the boy. The pennies dropped. This is the guy who thought when a woman was praying that she was drunk. But now he understands. Let's see what happens. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's not a bad prayer for you and I. Dare you say that? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Brave prayer. Brave prayer. Because he might ask you to do something. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood. This is called a theophany. The presence of God in the room. Actually, it's not just the presence of God. It's the pre-incarnate Christ. Stood next to a child. The Lord came and stood there calling as as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I hope he does something in Kilimash, halfway, Mosborough, whatever, that makes everybody's ears tingle. Wouldn't it be great? I hope it makes my ears tingle. Everyone who hears about it is going to tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. It will come true. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. Eli had no excuse. He knew what was going on. He knew the boys were stealing from God and he also knew that they were sleeping with the women who served at the temple. We looked at that last week. Do you know what Eli should have done? If he loved his boys, he should have pulled them to one side and kicked them at the bottom and said, stop it. And if they hadn't stopped it, he should have kicked them out. But instead, he took the soft approach. Sometimes people misunderstand ministry or misunderstand Christianity, that we're a bunch of wusses. Actually, those who know me know I am not a wuss. I will come and kick you if necessary. It's for your own good. Some of you have got sore bottoms because you've been kicked several times. I'm doing you a favour when I kick you and challenge you. I'm doing it right. I'm not bothered about a peaceful time. Eli opted just for peace and the consequences were disastrous. And he did his own family no service at all. 
He knew about what was going on and his sons uttered blasphemies against God and he failed to restrain them. How dreadful. What a charge against you. I used, I used Mike as my, as my example. My son, I haven't seen him for nearly 18 months, two years. And he won't come because we won't let him and his girlfriend sleep together in the house. It's my house, our house, and actually, you're not doing it. What you do when you're outside in your own world is up to you. But under my roof, no. Because I'm doing you no favours, Mike, if I just allow you to do it. There's a line that I will not cross. And therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. I'll bet he was. It's great to tell someone when you've got positive news. But fancy having to deliver that message. That's hard. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel answered, here I am. What was it that he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, ever, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. I'm going to end it there. We'll pick up on next week. There's another scripture that's there, Graham. I want to end on a positive, because this is getting a bit heavy. Put the one from Peter up, please. I love this. I love Song Pro. Just a minute, I'll read it to you. Listen to this. All right, just talk amongst yourselves. Here we go. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That is us. That's what God sees when he looks down at this church. Do you feel a royal priesthood? <laughs> you are. Do you feel chosen today? You are. Even if you don't feel it, will you believe it? Will you believe that God has called you? And if he's called you, and he never makes a mistake, if he's called you, how are you going to respond? Do we respond like Eli? Or do we respond like Samuel? It's not a bad thought, is it? There's no third option. I can't, I can't see a third option. In fact, when we came here a year ago, this is the passage you used. This is the passage that Michelle preached from. He's building and building his people. Don't you want to be part of that? I'll pray.
Father, I want to thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace towards us, Lord. And I pray that no one in this room will treat your grace with contempt, with scorn. Grace so freely offered cost you everything. Everything. So I pray, Lord, you'll help us. Um, just help us to grasp that. Help us to be brave enough to say, here I am, Lord, your servant. We thank you for your word that we have. Help us to fall in love with it, I pray. Help us to live by it, yield to it, and share it. I, I pray, Father, that we will will not be faced with what Matt has said, where people didn't know there's a church here. So we pray we will get your word out to this community and that you will help us do that. We thank you for what's happening on Thursday night. And I pray you'll bless Matt and Martin's efforts, Lord, that you'll save people on that course. And that they will say those words, speak for your servant is listening. In Jesus' name. Amen.